1: already in the comic game or a comedy nerd behind the bits is the show for you
0: now let's get behind the bits
2: ABTV hey, Buddies, thanks for tuning in. I've got Dean Jernigan today. He is a friend of mine from where I used to do comedy, and we started at roughly the same time. And Dean's been working hard and getting a lot of work because of it, and I was really happy to catch up with him. So uh, check this one out. It's a really good one. Along with Dean, I've got former guest Dan Bublitz, and we talked about his... Forthcoming album, Strangers in My Basement, and the Kickstarter campaign he's got going so that you can get some vinyl and some cool art too. So check this one out and thanks for listening. Have a great week. Dan.
1: Hey. How are you? I'm good. It's been a long time since we've got the chat. Yeah,
2: yeah. We're both going through stuff as far as moving and stuff like that. And you know how that gets. You just have to put your head down and go. So it's nice to catch up. But I saw that you were doing this and I wanted to bring you on because you've always been a friend of the show. And I want to make sure that I can help you out any way I can.
1: I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Yeah. The moving's a big thing. I'm a little disheveled. I look disheveled. I threw my banner behind me to hide the boxes that are behind me. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I've got,
2: I've got. Yeah, I'm the same way. I've got cabinets coming down in the kitchen, and I've got to go to Home Depot or somewhere because I got a stripped uh, a screw that I got to get out that none of my bits are working in, and my drills won't go through it. So I'm stuck right now. So after this, I'm probably going to go get something to get that out and see if I can get the rest of the cabinets out. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, lots yeah, of that's fun.
1: What, that's the same thing here. I'm actually after this. That's We got to run errands, we got to get some more things for the house. We just moved into, so yeah, it's very busy. Yeah. Never stops.
2: <laughs> so this comedy album that you've got coming out, it's a little bit unusual. It, I know the title of it is Strangers in My Basement, but can you tell me a little bit of background on it?
1: Yeah, so the reason it's called Strangers in My Basement is because I recorded it in my basement with a basement full of strangers. <laughs> and what I did is I set up my basement like a show, showroom before I moved to Colorado. And uh, basically turned my basement into a comedy club that would seat about 15 people. And I had this idea where I had the space, I had everything I needed down there. So I thought it would be cool is I wanted to record an album. That was one of my goals for 2021. And so I thought well, I can just do it here. Then I don't have to worry about scheduling around venues or anything mm. like that. I could just do it whenever. And so that's what I did. I just uh, decided to do it in my basement. and. I said I did two recordings, and I had people on both nights. Uh, the first night there were a lot more people, a lot more friends than strangers. Yeah, being on it. But the second night it was packed, and it was I didn't know very many people. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool.
2: <laughs> and that was the old home base. That was uh, yep. you're in Minneapolis.
1: Yeah, St. Paul. Yeah, so that oh, was recorded okay. in St. Paul. Yeah. And, yep, and now we're in Loveland, Colorado.
2: Yeah, That's excellent, stuff. excellent. So as far as the album's concerned, I, I I just talked to a comedian yesterday, and she's self-producing her album too. The One of the things I talked about is, and I learned about, is the benefits of doing your own is just owning all of it. And that yeah. way, if you get, if you get spots like on Sirius XM and stuff like that, the, you don't have a record company that's taking a percentage of your uh, profits on that. And, uh, and I think they take stuff in perpetuity for uh, some artists, mm-hmm. but on, on the other hand, self-producing your own albums, a lot of work.
1: It is. It absolutely is. And some of the pros of people watching or listening, just some of the pros to having a record label release it though, while they do get that cut, it is easier for them to get in on Sirius XM mm-hmm. than it is when you're independent, just to throw that out there. Some yeah. Are, oh yeah. I can make It is a lot harder. They have a lot of contact contacts, so that makes it easier for them. So right. that's probably that's why they get that big cut. But if you can get it on there independently, you're absolutely right. You get to keep all the rights to your material, to your work, you don't, there's nobody, there's no middle people taking any cuts out of it. Right, And it's it's all yours. But it is, a, like you said, on the flip side, it is a lot of work. Right. And it's a lot of money that you cost that you take out of pocket. I had to pay for a sound record, The sound recordist to come in and record. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to pay, they were the same, all these were the same people, but I had to have a, a sound recordist and then they had to mix and edit and master and do all those things for it and that's all things that i had to pay for on my end as mm-hmm. an independent producing it independently and then on the back end there's post-production things that you have to pay for too you have to pay for to get your usb numbers for the album to get your i believe they're and i could be wrong on this i don't remember what they're called but it's like a dcim code or something okay okay i think that's what it's called. I could be wrong, but for each track you need this specific code. Okay. Uh, which is basically what that track what that code is identifying ownership Okay. of the tracks. So Okay. I think that's that D- money I think too. that's
2: DCMA. Yeah, I Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. Yep, that you're probably right. I knew it was DCM something. D- yeah. yeah. Yep. And yeah, so you have to pay for that, and then you have to pay to put distribute it and do all these other things. So there is some cost with it. Right, right. Cost and and a lot of work that you got to do.
2: And you're looking at doing some cool stuff rather than just the digital download. It looks like you're looking at uh, doing vinyl and some extras. So there's actually a Kickstarter going on. I'm going to put that up so people can see it. And this yeah, will be in the show cheap. notes too, folks. So it'll be really easy to click and go. But tell me what you're uh, doing with the Kickstarter and what people get if they help back you.
1: Absolutely. So the Kickstarter concept is really, it's the project is already going and it's going to release whether it gets backed or not. It just, how it gets released will be determined by mm-hmm. whether or not the full project reaches the goal. And my goal is $4,000 for the post-production and the reason that is the as high as it is, is because i would some of the, the perks with backing the project what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to raise enough so that i can release it on vinyl mm-hmm. uh, i'm going to do i want to do a limited edition press so i'm only going to have a hundred pressed so it's going to be very limited and yeah so that's really what I'm, my whole goal is i want to do the, the physical copies, and I had a really good friend of mine who is a an amazing painter and singer-songwriter, perfect, just a great artist, mm-hmm. Brian James Hoffman. I'm going to give him a shout-out. And he he painted, he did a painting for the cover of the album. Uh-huh. And so <clears throat> another perk that, they, that I'm trying to put out there is some prints, too. Mm-hmm. So it's a print that he painted. So, yeah, so some of the cool, depending on where you're back, because there's different levels on the project, some of the cool things you get, the vinyl record is one. There's there's limited edition prints, there's digital prints, there's physical prints, stickers, uh, all kinds of different things that you can get uh by backing the project. Because it's essentially the project is really uh a pre-sale more than it is try to get this project going.
2: Uh-huh. I, I have to say the artwork is fantastic. I went to your Kickstarter page and looked at it. It's really cool. So I'm definitely going to get, I'm going to back on one that I get a print. So that maybe that that'll be awesome. back behind me here. But awesome. yeah, I'm yeah i, no, I, was a great I, I yeah, I'm an artsy type of guy. I just love art and it, it's really cool. And, and the whole vinyl thing, I, it's funny, my, um, Wife and I went with another couple to the comedy club here and saw Chris Porter. He's got vinyl of his last album, and I just saw—I mm-hmm. probably saw 15 people get that vinyl album because everybody's into vinyl now. Mm-hmm. I, I personally have some vinyl, but I don't—I don't play it because I'm so deaf; I don't hear any difference. So I, yeah. I still I listen. I don't streaming. know that
1: I hear the difference in quality either, but yeah. I do listen to a lot of vinyl. But it's I really think it's cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, cool to like sit there, listen to a record. You get the little sh- sound. Which th- that adds like to the aesthetic of listening to uh, to music.
2: Yeah, yes, and just the. Ability to hold it and look at it and put it up on a shelf or something like that. That's really neat stuff. And I I gotta say that the way you're going about it is really cool because I looked at some of the things that you're offering as far as for the backers of this and this pre-sale type thing. It looks like it's totally worth it. You're not you, your your gives are as good as what you're getting, so it's really mm-hmm. a, a good deal. So yeah,
1: I tried to keep it pretty. The perks pretty equal with what level you back
2: yeah yeah and i'm really stoked i'm gonna get on and support it myself here right after we're done talking and folks in the show notes and i'll be putting this up on social media too just click it click the link in the show notes but it's kickstarter.com forward slash projects forward slash d booblets comedy forward slash strangers dash in dash my dash basement (laughs) but and i think you can go to the kickstarter site and put your name in and still find it
1: my name in there or you could probably search strangers in my basement yeah and also you can find it through my website which is this dan dot comedy.com yeah is pretty easy too so
2: yeah so everybody, I know that everybody that listens to the show is supporters of comedy. Let's rally around somebody that is uh, doing good stuff and also doing, getting to the core of what comedy is all about. And that's putting the album out and uh, actually giving you a physical copy of it. So I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So thanks for being a supporter of the show. Thanks for putting out a great album. that I I me. haven't thanks listened to, to have it yet, it. but I know it's going to be great.
1: Honestly, I'm a better comic than I was when I recorded it because we're constantly improving, but i got to be honest, I've had other attempts where I recorded an album, didn't like it, didn't release it. I'm excited about this one. So yeah. if I'm ready to release an album, it's got to be somewhat good yeah. because <laughs> I'm proud of it, so... It takes me a lot. This is is like my sixth attempt.
2: Excellent, folks! Make sure you uh, head over to Kickstarter and either search "Strangers in My Basement," Dan Bublet's comedy, or just click the link in the show notes and get over there and see if you can help them out. Okay, thank you, and thanks for being on, Dan. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hi, Hi, Dan. Dan Scott,
2: I got to say, this is the first time I've had a close personal friend on the show and I'm stoked to talk to you because A, I miss you and B, you've been doing some really great stuff so I want to hear all about it and just take in the fact that you are working so hard to be the best comedian you can be.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's aging me early. Of course, I, uh, I jokingly say I started doing this. I started doing this when I was I turned forty, and I'm forty three now, and I've spent more time sleeping in my car <laughs> since I started comedy
2: than <laughs> the previous forty years combined. Yeah,
0: I'm really hitting my stride.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't. I really can't do this without telling a couple stories that are a couple of my favorite stories to tell. So we were both at the, I met you at the Drop Comedy Club in its original location by the jail, and we, you were just I sitting there, you are sitting there talking to other comics and being, you're a gregarious guy, you're an outgoing guy, so you were talking to people. And for some reason, I just didn't trust you. And you were talking <laughs> to some people about your van outside, and I'm like, what is this guy trying to do? Kidnap somebody? So I was ready to go at you because I thought you were going to hurt one of my little comedy friends. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah we were, uh, I, I had a radio show. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was actually, my I think, my first night up there. Yeah. And uh, I did not know what attention whores we were as comedians. because I, I, like, I hadn't been in the scene long enough yet. So I didn't think anybody would come on the radio show unless... Like they had a little bit of respect for me as a comic, yeah. so I thought I had to go up there and prove myself before I could get them to come on. And fortunately
2: enough, you were actually one of my first guests. Yeah, and you, I was, I, I, I became a more trusting person real quick. It was just that, it was just that <laughs> thing. I was, I, I'm always looking for the predator in somebody, and it turned out yeah. you weren't that. But I just thought that was hilarious. And then the next thing is what's great for you probably not so great for me but jeff webb had actually asked me to yeah. do a show at his club in valparaiso and it was a benefit for the the canines wasn't it for the canine, police yeah. canine
0: uh, no that was the second show that was the second show it was uh there was a the week before it was a friday show They were doing monthly shows at the time. It wasn't a comedy club, per se. Yeah, Like, once a month, they would do a comedy show, and it was on one of those. And then, so you were unable to go.
2: Yeah, but I pegged you first before I told Jeff and I I said I got somebody that is probably way funnier than me anyway and I'm gonna I'm gonna hook you guys up and Jeff was also a little bit worried about me pawning you off on him and then that turned out to be a great relationship for you guys I think
0: yeah, no, actually, yeah, it turned out to be, we, we grew to a, a really great working relationship we have, uh, and, and a great friendship at this point, um, but I believe he introduced me that night with, the guy I booked couldn't make it, so he <laughs> sent this guy in his bed, let's <laughs> hope he doesn't suck, and then he walked <laughs> off stage. So that was my, that was my intro. <laughs> and well, you didn't, you didn't suck. I must not, because he, then he came back and he booked me, so he calls me. So uh, this is a new club. Actually, that that show was Dwight Smith, Serena Monet, Michael Cameron, Mike Banks at the time. Yes, <laughs> Cameron Beazell now, and then myself. And after that show is when they decided they were going to rebrand the whole place a comedy club and start having shows every Friday. But they so they call me. Jeff calls me the next a like, couple days later. Hey, can you do a show tonight?
2: Uh-huh.
0: And that was the benefit.
2: Okay, and I wasn't aware. That it was a
0: a fit for canines, and uh, all week I'd been working on my like this this ten minute drug related bit, and uh, I thought this will be a perfect chance for me to do all that (laughs) uh, that, the drug related material, and then uh, I show up and there was canines everywhere, Uh and uh, I went ahead and did it though. It was uh it was it was they have a good sense of humor. Yeah, still,
2: yeah. (laughs) You know (laughs) how many times I've talked to Jeff since I pawned you off on him zero <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> yeah. and it's 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 probably more my fault than his he he just totally dropped off social media and at at that point i didn't keep up with him and i had enough shit of my own going on so yeah, i just he, didn't he, uh he,
0: he's you he moved so in all fairness yeah you were like see you guys later yeah and uh and you took off split halfway across the country but um He's a super busy with booking and he's found in this day and age being a heavily present on social media, you get mobbed by thirsty comics 24 mm-hmm. seven that want a, uh, that want a stage spot. So yeah. I think that's why he's gone underground. Yeah.
2: He's ducking and running from those guys. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Man, so- hey, I get it. I get it. I get it from both sides though. Like I understand as a comic, like I'm always that thirsty guy looking for stages yeah. too.
2: Right. So one of the things I always loved about you and one of the things I really miss about you is whenever we would get together and we had some time, we would always talk about comedy and the different things that you were doing and what you're learning and learning from your mistakes and stuff like that. And I've never seen somebody just jump into it with the gusto that you did, especially you know you're a lot younger than me, but for your age, you were, you were pushing, you were 40, you're 40 something when, forty. yeah, yeah, I was 40. Yeah. And you really jumped in and you got good quick. You got good enough. The people wanted you on shows quick and you were doing the driving and sleeping in your car and stuff like that. And I just always appreciated the fact that you put Way more effort into it than I probably ever will, and I just I, I really miss those talks because I was living vicariously through you for a while as far as your growth. I
0: appreciate that. The thing is, comedy is one of those things that nobody can deny it can deny you from doing it, other than you. Like, right. It's a matter of if you want it hard bad enough, you're gonna you put the work in. And it'll just chip away at it and chip away at it uh-huh. and network and network. And eventually you'll find that you can bust a way to make a living doing it. Uh-huh. And uh, the moment I walked up on stage that first time, granted, I came at it late. So I came at it from a different angle. I like, I've had a lot of practice speaking in meetings, yeah. speaking in front of groups. I, I came at it late with a lot of life experience behind me and, and, and I don't know that I would have been as successful had I approached it when I was 20 because it was something I wanted to do right. when I was 20 and I was too chicken shit to get on stage. Yeah, I was back then I was doing I was fighting in the Golden Gloves and I was in the Navy at the time and I couldn't bring myself to get on stage and do comedy. It was it just spooked me yeah. and it bothered me for 20 years So when I finally had my opportunity again. The opportunity is always there. It's just, it, you got to go out there and just take it.
2: Right. And you came to it with a business acumen too, because you had been, you know, in management for a long time prior to doing it. And I think that one of the things, cause I've been in the business world for a long time myself. And I think one of the things that gives us an advantage is we don't, I guess, get so emotionally invested into our jokes uh, because we know if something doesn't work for two or three times, it's never going to work. So we need to put it away and bring it out when we can make it funny.
0: Well, that's it. i I'm never done writing the thing. So I've got some jokes that I've had since day one that have metamorphosized many times, and then I've dropped them entirely. Then I've brought them out and stuck them in a different part. There's long versions of it, short versions of it. Just the other night I was doing one of my oldest jokes and I riff, I riffed a new line right in the middle of it works mm-hmm. perfect now that's going to stay and that's i can't uh, countless times that joke has been told over four years Uh and uh now there's a new line for it so it's never complete i guess until you it's out there on a netflix special or something at that point then i guess it's in in stone
2: yeah that's that is at that point you're done with it unless you can make it totally new
0: Right, and lucky me, I have no specials, so I can just
1: keep (laughs) writing this shit. Right, right.
2: right. (laughs) Now, we've, I guess, as a couple friends, we've gone through a lot of, just a lot of shit that happened Mm -hmm. to to us. We lost uh, a good friend that was... Uh, good friends to both of us, and I. T- I don't know how that affected you, but I really couldn't do anything comedy wise for a long time. I-, I just had no taste for it. And we're um, talking about Brian Collins. If any people that, that knew him, that's who we're talking about.
0: Yeah, Brian. Uh, that's actually Brian Collins, right? There. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was it, when you have somebody. Brian Collins was one of those characters who. Unless you're familiar with our, like our Northern Indiana scene, you didn't know who he was. But among that scene, he was a superstar that really just was the glue for a lot of people that just kept everybody together. Like mm-hmm. Brian Collins was one of those driving forces. Mm-hmm. Him was a huge blow to all of us. I can't tell you how many people I talked to that said, man, that guy was like my best friend. And every one of them was telling the truth. You know what I mean? Like oh, it was yeah. Just, he was just that guy for so many people and it was really hard it was we had a bunch of stuff scheduled and we went and did several shows immediately after and it, and one aspect it helped because you could get up there and you can get in your zone
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then and do your thing and then for a little bit of a while you just forgot about it mm-hmm. but it was hard to do it in particular because like from day 1 of my journey in comedy he was there so at every mic, at the practices, the shows, every triumph, the mm-hmm. bombings—he was a part of so much of it. So it was difficult. It was—I want to say we did—we took a week off pod, and I, we might have thrown up an old episode or something. I think we had I think we had some backlog that we went ahead and put out. Mm-hmm. So we didn't do it for a couple of weeks, and then we didn't really address it on the show for a while. And then we ended up having a tribute show for him. Just talking about, like, our struggles, uh, the struggles that we were having getting back on stage.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It affected Jason LaFoon a lot, too. It was just mm-hmm. something that we were dealing with. It, it is tough. It's tough to get back. But part of, like, what we were going through, that's why comedy is important. Because people need that. They, I, If nothing else, this whole uh, pandemic has shown me how important it is that uh, like comedy keep going and comedy stay active wherever mm-hmm. it is. Because... It is definitely a essential human need, I believe.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I it's funny how much Brian got around as everybody's friend because it, it it was just a thing for us that he would come to trivia night with Lisa and I on thursday nights at whatever restaurant that was i don't remember the name of the restaurant and it wasn't like a big it wasn't a big deal but every time i call him, i say hey brian we're doing it tonight he'd just be there and and yeah. we'd have a great time lisa loved him and we did better because he knows so much or he knew so much trivia that <laughs> that we didn't yeah. know that we always scored well too He couldn't find a better writing partner
0: yeah, if you were struggling over some bit, you could call him up and just be like, "Hey, Brian, hey man, you mind if we we write, do some writing?" And boom, he'll drop whatever he's doing, meet up with you, and write you, can, and work that bit out mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, and just find somebody who just put him make himself available to everybody like that. Yeah, he was a rare bird and, entirely, and yeah. he was just going way too soon. And in the comedy world lost that was a huge loss with him, and they'll just they just will never know it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I've been watching you from afar, and I see that coming up, you're going to be opening for Bob Goldthwaite Is that right? You're going to do a feature. Yes, uh, that
0: was actually I, I, it was. It was funny how I locked into that. There was a comedy contest that I was supposed to be part of, but the host got ill, mm. and then so they canceled the contest. So he threw he's like, hey, let me throw you some dates to make up for this contest. So would you like to host? Now I never host. I don't like hosting. Mm-hmm. I get all I get. I get acid reflux, stress. I freak out. You know what I, mean? like, I, I was in the military, so that's always stuck with me. Is like 15 minutes early is on time. Yeah. So I'm always going to go early. I've always prided myself on, on whatever time I'm doing. I, you don't need to light me. Like, I've got that yeah. time. That's just something. That's how I've always approached this thing. That's just how I do it. Yeah. Now, comics come in all shapes and sizes, and... Um, <laughs> And punctuality is in like all their strong suits yeah and uh, when you're running when you're hosting and you're supposed to be running the light and you're keeping track of where, all right so there's this where's the next comic and they would they'll wander off comics are the most <laughs> are <laughs> the most uh, some of them are just a handful yes so i get stressed out and i get headaches when i'm hosting so when they asked me to host that thing i was like man I'm I'm a little I'm a baby when it comes to, like I'm a good host if I don't have to do most I can you just I can do some time go with the rules do some time introduce the people but I'm not responsible for firing them I don't need yeah. to light them you know what I mean like <laughs> all of that the production aspect right so I don't have to stress over it and they were really easy on me they were like they, they all that stuff was handled I go there and I do this host and then after the first time I host that show they booked me to a feature for Bobcat so yeah. Pretty stoked about that. Uh, well, that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Actually, that's so. cool.
2: That's cool. So, what it's things? Just, it's just sold out at this point. Yeah, you've been at this for a few years. What things have you learned, and what things have you? changed about your writing style or your performing style that you think is working for you? You're right in the middle of it now. So you're probably pivoting and making changes like almost every set, but what are some main things that you, you think you've really grown at in the last few years?
0: Mastering the pause is like a, something that's really something I've worked so hard to. I am uh, I came from the radio background where you're wanting to fill in the void. Right. So, no matter what, just keep your mouth moving because sometimes your guests would come on and they would freeze up and then you had to fill in that time. Yeah. So when I'm on stage, I still suffer from a little bit of that, like the silence PTSDs me. I start <laughs> to panic a little bit whenever I'm up there and there's there's silence. I feel like it needs to be filled. Mm. And the pause is and the use of the pause is... An art form, and it's very much you know you need it. You need to pace your audience too. You can't just keep blasting them. But like if you're doing ten minutes, you can come at them for ten minutes. But if you're doing thirty minutes, forty minutes an hour, they need breaks in there. They mm. need to be pauses so they can catch their breath, so they can so like that kind of thing. Working to slow my pacing down at, at stages so that you orchestrate the audience. As a general, you you work, bring them up, you bring them back down, you bring them back up, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Instead of coming at them full bore all the time,
2: right? In mastering that, what has changed about knowing the timing and how long to pause and things like that? Because you're, I I know that your jokes get uh, you get a laugh, but there's enough to them that. You, get, you can get a second laugh just because the way you stand, the way you look, and also there's other stuff packed into that joke that, oh, yeah, he said that too. And I'm the microwave one was the one that really gets me because there's really two laughs in there. One of them is the the punchline about about how many times you have to push it and all that kind of stuff. But the other one is, is just how stupid you look after you say it. Like, I'm the biggest idiot in the world. Ultimately,
0: if you break down 90% of my humor, ultimately, I ultimately am in the butt of the joke. Yeah. Like I set myself up pretty good throughout, mm-hmm. but everything, I write it in story arcs because I'm not, I don't do the traditional, I don't do the traditional one-liners, Right. you know, set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline. Mm-hmm. I am a, I'm a, I'm in the storyteller genre, a Burt Kreischer, if you will. One of these guys who, who I tell the whole thing through stories and I punch up my stories. Mm-hmm. And uh, so everything I think of when I write a set is done in arcs and like the arc of single parenting. And then I might do relationships for a while and then I might do, but everything is supposed to, there's got to be a lot for me for the whole show. And it allows me to remember my set much easier too, because Mm -hmm. really all I remember is what story arc I'm going with.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: How do dating and relationships, which is different material, you know. And I the, the what helped me master that pause is the ed- edible the appropriate <laughs> use of the edible. <laughs> it did it bring it they bring everything down like a little notch yeah so yeah. Uh, so I wasn't the adrenaline wasn't coming all the time and legitimately it was the appropriate use of the pre show edible.
2: Yeah, was. I I can tell you about an inappropriate use of a show I did that, down here and it, it just kicked in too too soon and too hard. So yeah, I was oh uh, yeah. There's always that
0: risk with the edibles. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's a, lot, a lot, uh, lot harder to control than, say, like just smoking a joint before. But I smoked a joint, too. Yeah. Just so we were.
2: <laughs> oh, man. So I wanted to talk to you specifically because I just had something happen. And I'm not going to name names, but I approached somebody to be a guest. And they said, I will not be a guest because you had this person on. And the person I had on was a very, he was conservative. He's a conservative guy Mm -hmm. and he is, he's either loved or hated basically. And the person that I approached didn't like him and wouldn't be on my show because of it. Now, my show is not about politics. I don't talk about politics hardly at all. And if somebody wants to tell me if they're a political humorist, uh, we'll we'll talk about that. But my show is about comedy and I'm never going to say that somebody can't be on because I'm probably pretty close to as liberal as somebody my age can be and way more liberal than the guy. And let me say, and let me say, Scott, God bless you
0: for it too, for letting whoever come on.
2: Yeah. So are you start are you starting to see the this divide that is so much that somebody won't book somebody just because of their political leanings and that even though it's not part of their act? Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean I've seen it. I've seen it. I've I've, I've heard it spoken myself as is as I don't do I don't do anything political anything I do. Right. But I I was in the Navy, so it is perceived that I am the uh, the conservative the conservative guy, even though it has nothing to do with my act and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I've seen conversation exchange that have to do with not booking me because of my perceived politics. Mm-hmm. And it's not even it's not even like my politics. It's just it's what it's perceived to be. Yeah, there's that. But I go back to what I was saying earlier: is th- this thing if it's if this is something you want. Nobody can stop you from doing it. Mm-hmm. That person can say they don't want to be on a show, or they're not going to help promote you, or they won't book you. That's fine. There's only 52 weekends in a year, and there's uh, a million clubs and thousands. There's a, there's a, go to the next club. Mm-hmm. You keep working, you keep writing good material, and you keep entertaining crowds. Who is it? Who is it said, uh, was it said? Was it Papa? Or said? Uh, make yourself undeniably good. Yeah. And then they can't deny you. That that can be discouraging that kind of stuff, but it brushed it off your shoulder and move on. The vast majority of the people that you're dealing with are not going to help you or network for you or help you out in any way Yeah, anyway.
2: Yeah, that's that's really how it is, and I guess we, we had a, a weird synergy up there in the northern Indiana area because we all did help each other. It, it, it was, it, 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 it was, it's a very friendly scene. Yeah. I've seen a
0: bunch of different scenes at this point. I'll give a shout out to Grand Rapids. Michigan is another really nice, yeah. uh, really friendly scene that you can, that's a real friendly place to go and start comedy in mm-hmm. and, uh, the local comics there will be uh, super helpful mm-hmm. and work with you and book you and, and help you get better.
2: Shout out to we, Demented we, we, Peach we Productions. Say What? The yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah, with John Benner, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. They're they're all good guys. I I've had Carl on Carl Sobel on the show, and yeah, Stevie's, yeah, yeah, all, all a bunch of good guys. And it's really neat to see that. And I'm in a I'm in a scene right now that I it's not. I I don't think it's them. I think it's me. But I don't know if I want to put the effort in into getting to know a whole new bunch of people. (laughs)
0: Here's the thing, here's the thing for those of you who um, are not familiar with the comedy scene. So a basic breakdown of the scene is I'm finding is like a a third of the people in the scene are intelligent, hardworking, great people that I I definitely want to know. And I find comics to be exceptionally interesting people, just they're, Mm -hmm. they, I mean, they're written from very strange to very witty, just they're very Mm -hmm. interesting, uh, just a slew of people. But so that's about a third. And then there's a third that are just, they're coming out there to open mics. That's all they're ever going to do. They enjoy doing that aspect. Mm-hmm. And they're just, they're the amateur league. And I like encouraging those guys. I like talking to those guys. And then you got a third that's absolute scum on earth and they, they hide it. Well, <laughs> you gotta be aware that you, you are uh it's a shark infested waters yeah comedy world that much.
2: <laughs> yeah it really is and you know going back to the politics stuff i think sometimes they use that as an excuse and the guy i had on actually he he called me and he said you know who i am and you you know what i could possibly do to your show And I'm like, yeah, you can't fuck it up any more than it already is. And and I was a fan anyway. I as long as a guy didn't like pitchfork babies or something like that, you know, then then I'm cool with it.
0: I'm I'm a comedy nerd, so I am a fan of uh, a vast section of the genre. I like watching joke construction. I like watching, and one thing I like watching other comics when they they come out with the new material, and then they. It may may not hit, mm-hmm. and they take it back and they polish it up. And then the next time I see them do it, it's a little different and then yeah. it's a little better. And I love seeing that process, yeah, from a transition to a new concept to a polished set, yeah. And um, it it helps. I it's comedy. Like people are just so quick to get offended in anything anymore. Comedy's supposed to be that 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 gray zone that you're allowed to talk about all those questionable areas of society. And mm-hmm. you're supposed to be able to take it with a grain of salt. But we train ourselves to be offended because of the social media aspect where we can, we can, we can ban people who don't agree with us. And, and then pretty soon our the algorithm starts feeding you what you want to see. Yeah. So then you just surround yourself with yes men, so to speak. Yeah. And then we train ourselves you know, to where we're not used to the pushback. And then we have a hard time with the pushback. Yeah. That's one thing. Comedy will humble you real quick. Uh yeah you'll get yeah. some pushback when you start
2: right <laughs> Now, you started a podcast with Jason and Rusty that I like so much. It makes me feel like I'm back home every time I listen to it. So when you check your stats and you see that guy that's either in Huntsville or Birmingham or Tuscaloosa, wherever I'm at, that I usually have that going, light me at five. Can you tell me a little bit about the the podcast and why you do it and what you guys talk about?
0: When I originally – I. I, I, when I originally started this, I was doing, we, we had a radio show called Coffee with Dean.
2: Yeah. It
0: was just a local show. And, and that's how I got into comedies. I wanted to have comics come on and I want to interview them on there. And I found that the having the three person setup was one of what is my favorite setup where mm-hmm. myself and Rusty and then another comic and then that type of interview atmosphere I found was the most fun. It was the easiest because there was always somebody to pick up conversation and Rusty had who's my also my producer, he had a improv background. Jason had been on that show three or four times mm-hmm. and it was always a really good time when he mm-hmm. was on there. It was always a really new show. And Rusty and I had been talking about starting a podcast and it was it and really light me at five is that's an industry term for when you get in the light. And I happen to like it with five minutes left. Yeah. So I have a four minute ending bit and that five minute light gives me a chance to transition to my bit. Uh-huh. But it really is just, it's Jason and I are both feature comics. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the features, the, the guy will come out or the female will come out and do the half hour before the headline. Mm. That's really where we're at in our careers. And so we started the podcast to just follow us as we, as we, as we experience, we may never make it anywhere in comedy, but we've already made it a lot farther than we ever expected to. Mm-hmm. this last year 2021 was interesting i, I met leno uh, i did a show with arsino hall out mm-hmm. flappers uh, we've met steve Ranazizi. this opened for him mm-hmm. jeff richards so like it it was an interesting run 2021 yeah and check us out like me at five anywhere you get your podcasts and just follow jason lafoon and i as we uh trudge our way the long journey up yeah. the comedy ladder <laughs> and, uh, hopefully we take to some places
2: Yeah, so I was trying to decide if I only liked it because I know you guys and I know some of the inside jokes or if I liked it because it was a good podcast. And I think I like it because it's a good podcast. And and, and I'll never know, but I I really think it's because I'm I'm usually anti- shooting the shit type podcast. I have never listened to Joe Rogan. I've never... And it doesn't have anything to do with what he said. I just... It's just not my type of thing. And and yeah, and you guys, for some reason, are able to turn around. And I think Rusty is actually the magic there because he doesn't talk as much, but when he says something, it's totally fucking hilarious and it brings everything together and it's just great yeah you need rusty and try to keep him healthy because if it's just you and jason it's gonna suck
0: <laughs> <laughs> it'd be better for us if we can get more shows that's the thing as long as we're booking we've got so it'll be half yeah you're right because we'll be half of we're we'll talking about what shows are doing and kind of stuff that happened at the clubs yeah and then a lot of it's shooting the shit the the, the, the god's honest truth 90 percent of the comedy podcast out there is you're trying to capture and you're familiar with these it's the behind the scenes conversations when you've got all the comics sitting there Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and whether it be the, whether it be the the open mics or whether it be the shows, but that behind the scenes group with all the comics in there shooting the shit, Mm -hmm. that is what you're trying to capture for these podcasts. Yeah. Because that is some of the funniest, most interesting conversations Mm -hmm. you'll ever hear from some of the most unique individuals and all of them who are somewhat aspect of funny, or they wouldn't be doing this thing, right. you know, and having just natural conversations amongst themselves. If that's ultimately what we're trying to capture in every single podcast
2: yeah. episode. Yeah, you guys, so, you, you do it well. <laughs> we you, try. Thank you, you. And, and, and you wouldn't suck if it was just you and Jason. It, it would be okay. I do have to ask, as a cliffhanger, I haven't found out yet, how was the black weed that Jason got you?
0: Oh, it was pretty good. It was, it was, Jason's right. It was, it looked a lot more deadly than it was. Okay. <laughs> but it was, uh, I'd never seen anything quite that, that distinct of, uh, color all the way through. Yeah. It almost had rotted and died and then he brought it to me, but it didn't smell bad. At yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Oh, around, that's I, great. I
0: got the new job. I have this new job where I'm working 12-hour days, but it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Oh, okay. So and then, so when I first got the thing, my girlfriend was like, you're not going to like that job because it's over the weekend, and, and you book and your shows are over the weekend. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't have shows every weekend. I wish I did. But I don't have shows every weekend. I was like, but I have practice like every fucking week and shit, and I'm off the rest of those weeks. Mm-hmm. So ever since I started this job, I have booked... Every goddamn weekend, oh, yeah, so, you know, we're going like uh, we're going like I don't know 14 or 15 weekends straight now. It's been a good luck charm, I'll yeah, that. but I'm running myself into the dirt, I'll tell you that, Mark. yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, I know how that feels. Now, you've been doing this long enough to have some low points. Have you ever had any points where you said, Yeah, this isn't worth it, I'm just gonna quit? <sighs>
0: Yeah, if you let them, like, like some about stand up. What's weird is, man, because you wrote the material, and even though you're exaggerating, and some of the stories are just outright not true, mm-hmm. there's like nuggets of truth and there's pieces of you in every single one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some stories are way more true than others, and you'll never get it. Like a lot of times, you won't get us to tell that because it, like, that's part of the like the magician's trick, right? Right. Behind the scenes shit. That, that that makes the magic but man there are, so when your stuff doesn't work it's feels like it's personal yeah like it feels yeah. like you're reading your diary to people and then they just booed you that's what it feels like yeah. inside like when like we've all had those nights where you're leaving and you're just like jesus fucking cry. i drove i worked all day and then i drove two and a half hours after work in a Mm -hmm. snowstorm to get up here to catch 30 minutes of sleep in the car before I go up for seven minutes of a crowd of 13 people who I've just interrupted their dinner. Yeah. Because it's like a bar show or something where it's not a traditional comedy venue. Mm -hmm. But as as an up-and-coming comic, you're trying to get on every stage you can. And you may have made $15. You may have made nothing Mm -hmm. and nobody laughed. And then you're driving home. And you're just like, I'm just gonna drive off the bridge here. What's the point? Like, I'm the worst comic on the planet. But you, you get home, and by the time you get home at two and a half hour drive, you're like, but this I got this punchline here, and like, what if I'd have done this? And mm-hmm. maybe I should have done this part because that little girl was sitting right there <laughs> at the table. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you start doing that and start figuring out, and you just you work it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I ask everybody on the show, almost everybody, is, "What do you know now that you wish you would have known when you started?"
0: Now, I like I, I can honestly say I have been I haven't made a lot of stupid mistakes simply because I come at it for a, a later point in life. Mm-hmm. I've done the corporate things, or I've where, the, where you don't get drunk at the business retreat kind of thing, but. One thing I'll tell you what, one thing I wish I like I wish I was more comfortable with right off the bat is someone new coming in. Do not be afraid to do that five minutes of material that you got that first time you came out. Mm-hmm. Do it the second time you come out. Do it the third time, do it the fourth time, do it the fifth. Don't feel pressured to change up your material because other comics around you who've been doing this a lot longer and have a lot more material. Might be coming up each week and throwing up new material. They're not throwing up new material. They're throwing material. They're just working on material throughout their catalog. Mm-hmm. I see so many new comics that come up with a good concept and they'll work and they'll get that they'll get laughs that first time because they're new and people tend to be a little nicer to them. Mm-hmm. And then they they want to change up the next week. They want to come up with something different. It doesn't get the laughs. Then they get discouraged. They want to come up with something different instead of just working that first five minutes until they get it right. Mm-hmm. That's the advice I would give. Like club owners are like they're not. A club owner doesn't expect a, a new open micer to come in with a new material. Ever. That's not what they're expecting. They're looking to see this polished delivery, stage presence, timing, and that's the only way you get that is just repetitive. Yeah. you got to repetitively get on stage. Mm.
2: Well, I agree. That's
0: what I would tell somebody. Don't feel the pressure to, just to have new material every week. Mm. Just work on that material you have.
2: Yeah. Well, and you can write it, but you don't have to perform it. you You got to get the right. first stuff right first. got to – and not necessarily, but to a point where you feel comfortable enough and you're getting enough laughs throughout that five minutes. Right. Yeah. I, I saw your new website. I, I love the new website. So, where can, let's tell people where people can find Dean Jernigan
0: in uh comedy.com is the website. I don't have a calendar on it yet, though. Uh, someone asked, I'm saying, you need to get a calendar on there. I said, well, I get a calendar on there when I have enough dates to fill up the calendar. Otherwise, it's kind of pointless to have a calendar.
2: Well, you know what I do? I go to every comedian's website before I interview them, and 80% of them, the calendar is still 2021. It's still the 2021 <laughs> dates.
0: Well, there's a, there's a trick, too, in the industry that I've been keyed into now. Feel like I'm talking out of school. It's just for those <laughs> girls is uh, like you putting, you're filling in fake dates on the dates you're not full anyway, so it appears that you're working.
2: Oh, okay, so you're you're at uh, Luby's Comedy Club in Canada yeah. or something yeah, like that. You're
0: just, filling <laughs> in. you're just being like booked or Louisville should yeah. be announced that kind of thing. Yeah, you, you just fill it in the weekends you're not working, so it looks like you're busier, so that the booker doesn't go, well, well, why isn't anybody else booking? Yeah. Us? It's a ridiculous it's a ridiculous game we play. Yeah, unlike like you go get a job somewhere else though and you got a job, you do the interview, you're in there. Yeah. But with this thing, we gotta do the interview every fucking club we go to. Yeah. Then you gotta nose your way into the next one and nose your way into the next one until eventually you become well known enough that your name precedes you. Yeah. And then and then these casting couch calls and I keep going to <laughs> in the
2: end. <laughs> <laughs> Finally paying off. Finally,
0: my time in the Navy has really helped me out in the early stages of my career. <laughs>
2: oh, that's great! I tell you, Dean. It's first of all, it's great to catch up, and second, I I really do admire the work that you put in, and and the fact you're just a a true blue friend. You are good to people, and people people like you. But it's not just skin deep you're gregarious you're nice and stuff like that but you really are a good guy and i really hope that everything happens for you that you want to happen
0: i appreciate it i really do the i i, I figured i started this whole comedy thing late i have a chance to come in it on the back side of life and one of my big things early on is from day one was if i only feed good karma into this comedy thing and maybe all I can, you know what I mean. And maybe mm-hmm. the only thing I'll ever get out of it's good karma. Yeah. So i have really stuck to my guns with that, and I avoid the I avoid shit talking. Yeah. And even though some <laughs> some places and some some comics deserve it, yeah, you know, it's hard. We, we, avoid it. we, we let them roll off our backs, and like you had issues with the one I won't come on your show because you allowed somebody else to come on your show. All right, thanks for your time Yeah. You don't dictate who gets to speak in this country. Right. And let them come on. And if they do a good job, great. If they do a bad job, that's on them. Yeah. You know.
2: Well, and, and the thing is, they lost their forum to cha- to state their case. They could come on and tell me how shitty I am for having that person on the show. And, and Absolutely. I would let them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is what it is, and it, it doesn't bother me, but I, I just hope it doesn't become a trend because I've got another really conservative guy lined up, so we'll see what happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, it is what it is. You just you keep trucking. That's why I told what I tell somebody else. I go, Spotify hasn't silenced me either. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. Thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it, and it's great to see you again.
0: Yeah, thank you, man. Thanks for having me.